What's up, Southwest Virginia? Welcome back to Beats, Brews, and Buddies. This is episode two of season three. I'm your host, Travis Schmidt. This is... Jeremy Price. Hi, Jeremy. <clears throat> hey. Uh, on today's beat, we're going to talk about what it's like moving away from the Roanoke Valley. Talk a lot about being a multi-instrumentalist and a lefty with our buddy, Josh Smelzer. What's up, Josh? What's up? How you doing, How's buddy? It going? It's good. I'm doing good. Good to see you guys. If you like, don't hit that applause, I'm going to lose my mind. Say, uh, Josh Smelzer, and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> Josh Smelzer. It's uh, <laughs> the best applause I've ever received. Truly, I appreciate it's a, it. it's a large crowd. I feel good. Large, yeah. large crowd. <laughs> uh, before I read this bio, um, Jeremy, what are, what are we drinking? Beer. Beer? What kind of beer? Yes. Man, so jo- did Josh? He did. did he, you want to porter? We're yeah. drinking the Breckenridge Brewery Vanilla Porter. I like it. That's it's all nice. I'm going to say. Everybody knows this beer, and I don't see any fine print that I could work too hard to read poorly. Nice. It's a porter yeah. with hints it's of real vanilla. good. Cheers. 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 Yeah. He's got long arms to where we can there do we that. Go. Oh let's my gosh. <laughs> well, let's just say that uh, Jeremy and I have both known Josh for a long time before long time. I read this and we'll, we'll get into that. It's a bit of a reunion. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen him in a long time. <clears throat> How long is his bio so I can judge him? Uh, you want to read it? No. Oh, I didn't think so. <laughs> no, not today. <laughs> I did give I did give Travis permission to cut anything out if he wanted to. Oh, it's not that bad. So that bad. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, kind of. He was born and raised in the Roanoke Valley. Mm-hmm. Mom is a classical pianist and was the music director at the church. Uh, Dad sang and played guitar, so music was a big part of his life at a young age. He started to play trumpet and guitar in middle school, but the drum kit was always intriguing to him. Mm-hmm. When his church switched from hymns to praise music, they needed a drummer. Um, his parents bought him a kit and signed up for drum lessons with the Jeremy Price at Fret Mill. The man. <laughs> you put that the in there on the way over here. No, I did. I'm just, I'm a, he, he wrote it in uh, first person. No, I'm just kind of changing it. Uh, so we're... <laughs> He hooked. They hook. He said he was hooked right away. He says I was hooked right away, but uh, he was hooked right away. I always feel weird writing a bio in third person. Dude, it's cool. I, so. I just yeah. feel weird about him anyway. Uh-huh. This I didn't know. You study music in college, and since then yeah. you have made at least a partial living through music at almost every point in your life. Mm-hmm. Around 2010 to 2011, he started gigging as a sideman. In the music scene here in Roanoke, and has been blessed to play with over a dozen local groups, including the Ministers of Soul. Welcome to, is it Hunan? Huna, I think. Mm. Welcome to Huna. Uh, the Jesse Ray Carter Trio, yeah. Corey Campbell, the Big Lick Brass Band, Tom Artwick Trio, mm-hmm. uh, $5 Shake, which we talked about already, mm-hmm. uh, Place Called Home, which is one of my favorite groups, and more. Recently, he moved to Pittsburgh in 2020, where he now works as a creative video manager at a church in the South Hills. Uh, His time as a musician here in the Roanoke Valley Valley, uh, was an incredible, uh, was incredibly impactful part of his life. And he uses the lessons that he learned as a player in the Roanoke music scene nearly every day. It has been a major blessing in his life to have been part of this incredible scene. That's right. Josh Melser. There it is. There it is. So was that <clears throat> is that too long? Is that long enough or No, I'm just I'm right? just I'm in a I'm in a I didn't get a lot of sleep. It's, it's, a, it's a busy <laughs> week. I'm just I, I'm gonna be a little extra Jeremy. This is an afternoon record too, you know. 
Yeah. You, you get a little ornery in afternoon records. Well, do it, I? It wouldn't be proper. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be a proper podcast if Jimmy didn't roast me a little bit. I mean, I'm oh, not going to roast you. Oh, I'm oh. not. I think I've lightened my game. I actually, All right I have on. stories about you. Yeah. And I can't wait to get to those. But, <laughs> but no, I, I, I don't think I'm. As bad as I used to. We be. got two right. students sitting here. That's true. We yeah. got two students sitting here. That's I know, true. which is kind of cool. I know, and yeah. you, you, both of you guys went on to do things through. I got. I don't say not what I shared with you, but, but yeah, um, yeah, I disagree. But uh-huh. okay, we well, argue. But about like, that. but you've gone on to do things from that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you've used that knowledge in other in other That's forms. Right. That's right. Yep. And we were saying even before the podcast that Travis and I shared the award platform, the 2003, <laughs> 2003 Northside High School, Northside High School band banquet. Yeah, we did. Uh, where Travis won the John Philip Sousa award. I did. And, and I won the Louis Armstrong jazz award. Yes, you did. And now, uh, yeah. Now did, like you played trumpet and drum set. Played trumpet. And I think actually that's what got me the award is i was in both bands yeah I was in, I was in, oh that's right you did trumpet for the trumpet for the lower jazz band and then drums and for eric higher, or opposite I yeah can't you remember. me and eric luchin share parts that's right yeah i remember you played my favorite things and i was really upset that you played that song because i was like oh it's three yeah it's in six eight and I, I loved playing in six eight it was a jazz waltz yeah and i had learned that actually a viennese viennese waltz is what jeremy price had taught me <laughs> and <laughs> And I, w- I heard it. I was oh like, God. this is that Viennese waltz he was talking about. <laughs> and I played. I remember like breaking into that the first time. And everybody turned and looked like, Whoa. No, everybody was like, I remember I was like, who the <laughs> fuck is playing drum set with his left hand? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, my God, this kid means mm. business. I, I feel like I'm going to get roasted on this podcast. You just, <laughs> dropped, you just dropped the, like, the biggest F-bomb I've ever heard you I drop. Did, uh, because I have so much I'm love. I'm stoked. <laughs> well, it's afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, no, man, like it was you, good times. you were like this hidden gem of talent, uh, <laughs> and it came out of nowhere mm. because you were you were you. I would say that you were one of this the quiet sweet kids, like me. I mean, <laughs> we were the quiet room. sweet kids. Stayed out of trouble. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're reminiscing. <laughs> you sweet gem of hidden talent. <laughs> Yeah, no. we were the, we were the church kids. We stayed out of trouble we for did. the most part. We did for the most part. I didn't get in any trouble in nah. high school. Zero trouble. We waited until after high school yeah, to get in trouble. I did. It was college. <laughs> that was when it, it yeah. was bad. But so let's start back back yonder. Let's yeah. talk. Let's talk a little bit more about your your experience with this area. You grew up here. You born yeah, here. Grew up. And funny enough, so I was just talking to my dad like right before he came over here. We're in town visiting them. And um, my dad was a part of the Roanoke music scene in the 1980s with a band called the Double Spur that used to play the Iroquois down on Salem Avenue. Dang, that's cool. So, like, my roots go way back to that. Uh, we didn't even know that about him until we start, I started gigging, and he started talking about back in my day, we used to play this and that. And he's got old LPs of them playing. They used oh, to do cool. this. Um, they had a killer banjo player. They do this um, bluegrass version of Friend of the Devil from the uh, Grateful Grateful Dead. Yep. And it made, like, made radio play around here. So, yeah, I got roots there. Mom was um, music director at church. And, yeah, we made – so, any you know, people – in on the church scene back in the 90s would remember that it was like baptist churches sang hymns only and then all of a sudden this thing called praise and worship music started 
making its came, way in. Came out of the Tennessee area, yeah, shot it. right up to Roanoke. That's it. And yeah. so we're like, we're moving over to to praise music, and and we had a great bass player there. I had had guitar players. My dad played. Had a couple other electric guitar players. We had keyboardists. My my mom would play piano, and so it needed a drummer. And I was like, I think I could do drums. Um, <laughs> And it was funny because I always wanted to play, you know, I had, I had church and then I had, um, school, you know, and yeah, that's, that's the, the, the music. So I learned drums at church and not many kids at school knew that I played drums. That's what we were talking about when I, I told, um, who was, it, it was a Danny Galleon at the time. I was yep. like, Hey, I want to play for the jazz band. And he was like, you do You're a trumpet player in my marching band. Yeah. And I was like, if you just let me. And so I, I sort of had to prove myself there, but, um, <clears throat> so I was like, I think I could play drums. Um, when I was at school, I always wanted to play the drums and this is something that irks me. It still kind of irks me a little bit about like school, uh, uh, school bands is that I, I sort of got told it, you're, you're too good to play the drums. Ooh, and it boy, bothers you me. You start a fire. See, man. it bothers me because it, there's the, like this assumption that the drummers were not quite as melodically inclined or anything well, like that. But we had some really great drummers. Than, yeah, exactly. Than. And exactly. there are old ads from, um, uh, well, just old ads from the newspaper, whatnot that say musicians and drummers. Uh, right. That, that specify. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And I, I used to, so. I used to feel a certain way about it, and uh -huh. now I'm like, yeah, keep it. Yeah. <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, there is a, a bit of a faux pas of a transitioning instrumentalist that's, they, right. need, they need you. I need you on this specific or, instrument. Right. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. You're too good. Right. Yeah. And so I wasn't like, I got pushed to something else, um, but really still wanted to play drums. So church gave me the ability to do that. And um, did you join Drumline? Not till my senior year. Okay. Yep. I did. I did tenor senior year. Yeah, I remember because. And I was not as good as the rest of you guys. That's not true. Well, yeah, Jessica there. True. Yeah, but Jessica. I've been working with Jessica for a while. Yep. Jessica just graduated though, because Jessica it's, was. That's mine. true. Yeah. yeah. You so took her spot. It was me yes. and oh, I'm blanking on his name. Really cool kid, tall, lanky, glasses. Um, Dustin and he was, he was younger than me. He was, it wasn't Dustin Dawson. No, he no. Bass. wasn't Bradley. Was it? Brad I think it was. He wasn't on time. Bradley Simpson. No, 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 no. Bradley Simpson didn't play his senior year. Brad Naff. Brad Naff. It was Brad, Brad Naff. Naff. That's who it was. Killer player. Great guy. So he was actually, and deservedly so he was first, he was first tenor and I, I just followed his lead and, um, great player. Really yeah, great he player. was, uh, he was really, really solid. Um, yep. Instrumentalist himself. Yeah, so music all the way through high school, and then I took off. I went, but I didn't go far. I went to Lynchburg, um, got a degree in worship and music ministries at Liberty, um, and then started playing. I didn't put this in my bio because I was trying to not make it too long, so Jeremy wouldn't rag on me. But uh, <laughs> uh, no, I played with a group called Point of Honor, and um, I remember that. Oh yeah, yeah, like have like heavy metal stuff, heavy metal, hard rock. We got some cool opportunities. We got to play with um, Disciple. We played with December Radio a good bit. Um, and that's actually part of what brought me back to Roanoke at one point. Um, Did you play drums? I played drums for that group. Yeah. Yep. And, um, yeah, so, I, you know, we, we went. We sort of regionally toured. Um, we were the epitome of the stereotypical broke metal band. Yes. We had, like, a 1990s Chevy G20 van and this little... 
<clears throat> tiny little trailer that we would like, we would go as far as like Richmond with, we, we did one gig in Northern PA and we barely made it there. <laughs> we wrecked our van on the side of the road, um, in the snow. And, um, yeah, yeah. So it was cool. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, and that band, funny enough, I don't think my brother it was the first time I got to play in a band with my brother too. He was the guitar player in that group. He's only a couple of years younger, right? Yeah. He's two, like three and a half, three and a half years younger than me and brought him in on that, um, in that group. And we played for a long time. We did some really cool things. And then we just sort of like, we stopped booking gigs and we stopped having practice and, one day we were just like, I guess, I guess we're done with this. Yeah. So, uh, but right about that time was like that 2000, around 2010, 2011. And one of the guys that we played with, um, a guy named Eric uh, from a group called December Radio, big on the like Christian rock scene. And he was leading worship at a church um, back in Roanoke. And he was like, hey, I heard you're going to, you're thinking about moving back. I need a drummer really bad. Will you come play with me? And so that was part of sort of what drew us back to Roanoke. But honestly, I, at that point I started gigging and I was like, I just want to be, I get, I'd been in a group writing our own music. Like we're going to do originals. We're not going to, um, <clears throat> excuse me. We're not going to sell out. We're going to like just stick to the road. We're never going to make a dime. We're going to put all the money back into it. And it was that for so long that I was like, let me just see if I can hack a living just being a drummer. Mm. Um, and there was such a cool scene going on in Roanoke at the time. Yeah. That I was like, I got to get back. I got to get back there. It was 2010 to 2020 pretty much is when yeah. you, you did that. Yep, pretty much. So I, I, we moved back to town. Uh, my wife and I got a apartment downtown and um that's when wednesday nights at blue five were happening yep. a lot so i would just go i just i we moved i got a job in banking working for a credit union and um <clears throat> excuse me and so we um i just work my day job i go over there every wednesday night and um after showing up two or three times actually james pace i owe a lot of like breaking into the scene from him because he just walked up and he was like hey you play music don't you and I was like, yeah, I do. He's like, you look like you play music. What do you play? I was like, I'm a drummer. And he goes, go sit in. And I, that was pretty much it. So I sat in with Hoppy Vaughn on a Wednesday night and um, got to play a tune. I'm trying to remember. It was a James Brown tune we played. Uh, Cold Sweat. We played Cold Sweat from James Brown. And I was like, that was so much fun. Brad Taylor was on the bass, I think. It was either Brad or it was Jeff Hoffman. Either way, uh, Jamie was on keys and um, like all these Roanoke guys that I've been watching and I got to sit in with them and I, we, had, we ended, it was the last, last song of the night and I was so flabbergasted. I was just like overcome with that was amazing. I didn't even know what to say. And Hoppy turned around. He's like, you're, you're pretty good. And I was just sort of stuck. I didn't know. I couldn't think of anything to say. And he goes, listen, man, if you're going to ask me to get paid, there's no way. <laughs> <laughs> but you and i shared the same bill uh not soon thereafter yeah. with with james he booked us that's right we shared the saturday nights at the hotel roanoke hotel roanoke and that's where i met tom artwick and he's a guy that not a lot of people know about nope. no, so i don't know him tom tom is i don't even know the name he used to play in chicago um and the city or the band that the city good question. <laughs> yeah. good question no good good point <laughs> now he lived in chicago he plays um he plays saxophone but he also plays clarinet and flute and he'd like switch between the two who was um on keys for that it was dave um, um i played with oh i see his 
Dave, um, I don't know. His, I'm trying to remember his last name. His last name, name should not ex- escape me. It I shouldn't. Apologize. Yeah. Excellent he's player. St- he's still playing like, like, like crazy. Oh, he's ca- he, he is a walking, talking encyclopedia of music. We, I, I remember we'd be playing that gig um, at the Hotel Roanoke, and somebody walk up and go, do you guys know this? It was our anniversary, or it was our wedding tune in 1972. And he'd go, ah. Uh, I never played it. I remember hearing it. Hold on. And he would just, he'd, he'd, he'd crank it out. He'd yeah. play it. Um, I can't remember his name. I see him playing his day though. Yeah. Great player. And so he and Tom sort of had that gig on lockdown yep. and there would be just a drummer that would show up. Yep. You at one point, um, you or I would show up. Uh, Al Broholm was. Al, Al played a lot of keys when I. Yeah. So he um, would, he would play keys. He would play the piano when Dave wasn't around. And then he'd, he'd, he's actually a really great jazz drummer as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, yeah. He, he and I split a bill, um, at the Jefferson center. I was a play that we did. Nice. He played, um, I did drum set, but he did a yeah, lot of auxiliary yep. and stuff. So yeah. Great Al, player. Al, Al was the name I was looking for. We played that. I was playing that gig one night and, um, Doc Severinsen walked in to to eat dinner at the Hotel Roanoke. And (laughs) so I was in this strange place where I was playing jazz drums for Doc Severinsen, like not for him, but it was, he was listening and he came up. I I, I think he was, he he had been playing somewhere in Blacksburg and his flight got delayed. And so he was just staying at the Hotel Roanoke overnight. And he walked up, I remember he goes, guys, phenomenal. Sounds so good. He looked at Tom. He was like the, the tone and just you play so tastefully. And he looked at Dave on the keys and he's like, and just, you know, the, the way that you accompany, it's beautiful. And then he goes, guys, just really good. And he walked off and I was like, that's what I expected. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say anything to you? No, I didn't. And I, I didn't expect him to because I, I wasn't a jazz drummer. I was just playing was a, a tough jazz gig. gig you that know? was a tough gig. Yeah, it was. They just yell at you and be like, all right, three, four, uh, bossa nova. Yeah. Uh, just play, play me a little Latin right now. That's like, it. You just go. And yep. That was that was a, I I had no training for that. No, well, but learning like the versatility, I feel like that Jeremy pushed, and I'm not like I'm not blowing smoke up your rear. Like he would, Jeremy was like, learn as many styles and as many genres, as many yeah. different things as you can, so that you can gig in whatever gig you want as a drummer. And like you pushing that actually got got me to where I could play with all these different guys yeah. on the scene, play that gig. I had one week I'd from in, in 2011, I counted up, I played 120 shows in, That's in awesome. the Roanoke Valley. Nice. And it was because I, I could take gigs with pretty much anybody because I learned all these different genres, learned all these different grooves, um, in my time taking lessons with you. So I got, I had one, it was like the best week. I had a Tuesday night. I played with Welcome to Huna. It was like country swing band. And then Wednesday, played with Hoppy Vaughn at Blue Five, playing like old school R&B. Thursday, I might, now I'm getting these mixed up. Tuesday was with the Jesse Ray Carter trio playing rockabilly stuff because Thursday was Welcome to Huna. And then Friday, I played with the Cordy Campbell band. Saturday, played an afternoon gig with Corey again, and then played an evening with the Big League Brass Band. So it's like five different, five different genres over like five Damn. different days. Well, and I, and I don't want to misquote this, but when Jeremy came back from Stomp after yeah. his 18 years, he, he's looked at me, he goes, my damn students took all my damn, my damn, my damn gigs. They did. It's they true. Did. I remember I, Jeremy did, coming I, back on. And he was talking about you and I, yeah. especially you, because you played a lot more than I did. Mm. I was, I did a lot of my own stuff, like right. creative stuff. Yep. 
And it's like I was just coming off of a season where I'd done that for so long that I'm like, let me just play other people's music and and yeah. learn. And it grew so much in that. And I remember Jeremy coming back going like, well, I'd take all these gigs, but they're already taken. Yeah. And I remember thinking, crap, Jeremy's back in yeah, town. Yeah, no, I did too. I there like, goes all my gigs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, the teacher's back. Sensei's yeah, no. back. That's right. <laughs> no. I, I, so you guys were working way before I was finished. I would just come in on... on I'd get a week off here and there. And I got to say, man, I guess it's the time for the podcast. I didn't realize just how many of you fuckers were out there playing. <laughs> yeah. For real. Yeah. And, and, and the reason, so you are the sleeper. I named your Josh the sleeper. Because <laughs> I was like, don't take any offense. It's almost like I forgot yeah. that we spent time together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the moment I see you, I'm like, no, we actually spent quite a bit of time together. Yeah, playing, yeah, yeah. and and sharing information, and mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, you do people do what they will with it. Both you guys be, became creative beyond the drum set. Sure, yeah. Um, but I think it, I didn't have that realization until coming back to town a few times, seeing you on these various gigs. Mm-hmm. You're taking gigs that I probably wouldn't have taken, not because I wasn't capable, because I probably wouldn't feel like I was good enough for it mm-hmm. or be disinterested. Sure. And y'all's asses was like, yep, we'll take, I'll it. take it. That's right. I'll take it. <laughs> that's I'll right. Take it. And that's how you, I'm like, I didn't teach them that. They're crazy. <laughs> it's kamikaze out here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those yeah. things where I, I've spent enough time studying the music that I would get in my own way. I'm like, I don't want to go to this jazz gig. Cause yeah. I, I know there's some killer players. I had some killer teachers. Right. Doesn't mean I couldn't do it, but right. I'd rather my teachers do it. Sure, and they're not there. That's, that's, that 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 whole scenario lives in my head. Right, and right. You guys are like, nah, fuck that. I'll, yeah. Yep, <laughs> we'll I'm play, playing. We play every gig you can. We, we did. <laughs> I mean, and that's how you have to be if you go yep. to, you know, if you go to school for music. That I, so I, that's part that's part of what landed me playing some gigs with plastic music in your project. Uh, and I was way over my head in that. You knew it too, <laughs> but you still gave me the opportunity, every, which so, is cool. <laughs> just every, every drummer. Is pretty much over their head if you come to that project. Sure, yeah. Because you have to step outside your earned skill set. Yeah. And and just look at me. And anybody that knows how to do look, you just have to look in the project confused. Like, what are you what? saying? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Well, and it was it was very rudimentary, and I didn't I didn't have the skill set there. My chops weren't together. Plus, there's a lot of like theatrical to that, um, and it was a show, so it was a lot of fun. Um, I grew a lot, but I, after about two fill-ins, I was like, I don't think I'm right for this, man. You might need you might it's need hard. to find somebody else. It's hard. Yeah, and yeah. it's okay to not be right for it. That's and, right. And um, we had players who are actually right for the theatrical aspect, yeah. who weren't right for the drumming. Sure. Who were great drummers. Yeah. Yep. Um, but it's just a different thing. You know, and you ended up uh, saving my ass and subbing on drum kit a couple of times. Yeah, you're welcome. For like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, th- I heard you had a good time, though. Oh, I had a great time. Yeah, we won't talk about it. <laughs> no, I just... No, it was a good now, time. Now, uh, who was it? Um, was it Steve Gross was on those trips? You, you just might, walked by The him. very man I that owns I saw this, him out the there. The very man that owns the yeah. stores, that man. No, me and Steve Gross had some fun times on that trip. I mean, and then I ended up meeting anybody that knows that guy and hears that statement. (laughs) He's, he's a wild dude. All your assumptions are correct. And, um, (laughs) and then I met his son who's killer bass player. I'm playing with him now. Incredible. And I was like, I know me and your dad have some fun stories, but I don't know if he would want me to tell him. So me, my dad, (laughs) no, no, no. I, uh, when I was talking to Alex, Alex. oh, oh, yeah. 
I'm, I'm <laughs> practically on tour with him right now. Yeah. And he's and great. Player, I tell him man. all the time, but yeah. he knows he actually knows more about me than I know about him. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, dad says blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> whatever. I'm, I the grand, even, I'm the granddaddy. In I didn't even remember that, that part. No, <laughs> yeah, I've forgotten a lot. Uh, talk, talk a little bit more about that transition from, um, uh, playing those gigs and then, going and torn a little bit with with jeremy's group because that sure that that was crazy because if i recall correctly mm-hmm. jeremy called you and i and was like we need to do i need a b team right and we went to his basement yeah what three four times yes b for basement just just <laughs> hashed it out and i i'm yeah i you i'm so glad you said it was hard for you because i remember like I remember leaving there and I was like, well, is this what anxiety is? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly. I've never experienced it before because it was so quick. Yeah. And you had to learn so fast and it was so much material. Yep. Um, and it's Jeremy. So he, first of all, Jeremy has, he's got faith in you and me probably more than he should have. Probably. Just because he's that kind of guy. And so he recognizes, like Jeremy recognizes talent, but Jeremy, Jeremy also doesn't recognize the level of um where he's at comparatively there's a cerebral there's a cerebral aspect to your music and your creation that i don't think you recognize the depth of that like cerebral is a good word yeah that's a good word to describe jeremy so yeah i remember stepping in and the biggest thing was jeremy was like yeah it goes like this and he'd and we'd it'd be, there'd be time shifts there would be like yeah he's just it's a double paradiddle followed by a this or that and 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 he'd play it twice and go all right here you go and i'm like uh <laughs> can we slow it down and play it three or four more times? And um, so it was just like he had, and, and you know, rightly so there's nothing, I, I think this is a good thing actually, but like there was this expectation that <laughs> he'd just step in and do it. And it just wasn't jiving with me that way. I just couldn't wrap my head around it for a second. Well, he knows how to push a person to, yeah. a, to a limit to get them to greatness. And I that's think it. that's, uh, that's where the cerebralness is. It's, uh, it's a little bit of stubbornness there. We sure. should say it's, sure. but that's, that's comes with heart though. <laughs> right. It comes with heart. So, um, Damn. <laughs> so we've, we've, you, you listen to the podcast. So yeah. I, I typically end with this question, but I, you were talking about it just a few seconds ago. Like you wanted to find out if you could make a living as a, yeah. a fill-in drummer. Right. Uh, now that was 15 it was, plus yeah. years ago would make me feel old how Jeez. did you do well we're the same age buddy <laughs> so so talk 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 to us about that did you did yeah. you do it? no uh it, in a sense yes um i feel like you've when it comes to making money and making your living as a musician um you learn to get good at other things too like it, you know so i don't think there's anything wrong with having a supplemental income or even having a main gig and letting music be your supplemental income. It did like, it got me to the point that, um, you know, I could actually, I, I wrote a song about this. Um, it's not a good song. So I'm going to tell you the name of it, but, um, <laughs> but I, I wrote a song with, um, when I was with a place called home about like, you get to the point to where, um, I was, I was at a point, I was working for a credit union in town. I'm not going to say who either. And, um, but, uh, I, I had a, I had a good time working there. Um, and it was, it was this point to where at one point I could sort of move, move up and move into, um, you know, some, some, I, I could, 
really just pour some ambition into that and try to get further along the ladder there. But it meant putting the music aside to do it. And I feel like that's where like, I, I, I was at this point where I was making a partial living. I was going to have to take a jump to make a full living playing music. And you, at that point you got family too. And so yeah. like, scariest. it's scary. Yeah. And you gotta, you, you've got to jump into something, um, you know, full force knowing that it's not just you that's going to be affected. Like you go broke, you, you got to provide for your family yeah. as well. So there's all these challenges. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I was able to bring in at some points, like those, those couple years, just playing gigs in the Roanoke Valley, I was able to bring in almost the same amount of income as I was bringing in at in the financial, my other full-time yeah. job. My yeah. Man. So it, it can be done. Yeah. Uh, you got to learn to live poor. And I, I don't mean like, you know, don't, exp you, you can't, it's not just scraping by, but you learn that like, maybe I don't need the brand new iPhone that just came out. And maybe I don't need a steak Netflix every night. subscription. Yeah. Maybe I don't need to be eating steak every night. Yeah. We had a lot of canned foods and all of that. And, and you know, that's a and shout you look out. Great. You did. The, thank that's you. Fine. Thank you. <laughs> it didn't kill you. <laughs> no, you know, and it's, and that's it. Like you're not, I, I think you can make a good living on a local or a regional scene. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if you're willing to put in, take all the gigs, man, any, anything, anybody throws you. And then at some point it, you've got so many of them, you do have to weed some out and you got to make some priorities and all of this, but yeah, you can make a partial living and then you learn that you can teach as well, you know? Um, and, at one point I got into playlisting where um, I was I was reviewing other people's songs to put on a Spotify playlist and they would pay me to do that. So you learn how to like just supplement your income what with little hell? things here what and there. What the hell is that? Yeah, talk Play, about that. What is this what's this sorcery? Playlisting. <laughs> what are yes. all these what are these apps? <laughs> I don't even know these little squares. Like well, and that's part of it too. Is you gotta you gotta know where the music scene's going, right? So we we're old enough now that we saw it go from CDs to MP3s and from MP3s to streaming, right? So now your music streaming, and it's a really cool thing because um, guys like you know even local guys on our scene, we've been we've 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 seen get placed on a big playlist, and sort of their music takes off, right? So it opens the field to a lot more people and it gives less power to like A&R reps and you know, the, the gatekeepers that have always been part of it. But it also just, it, the, the pond is so wide now. Yeah. That you it's hard to make noise. So right. I like that you, you bring that up and I don't, we probably shouldn't steer the podcast this way, but I struggle with that. Cause I'm still not on a platform. I still buy an album if I love it. Yeah. And if I got to learn songs, which I'm always learning songs, uh, I YouTube it. So I deal with those ads. Yeah, so I totally see the value right. in the streaming. Yeah, I totally see it. But I just steal it from Travis if it's like a big <laughs> task. I'm like, can I steal your Spotify? Let me get your login, bro. Yeah. Um. Well, he you know, he gave it to me, so I had to do that with his band and those seventy thousand yeah. songs. Nice. And so, yeah. Um. So it's good to hear the positives. I'm yeah. still the old man with graying a graying beard, going, nope. I'm yeah. Not buying in. I mean, it might change. But to be honest with you, man, that's why I got out of. It's a, it's a big part of why I got out of playlisting too, because I feel like, I mean, who put you in playlisting? The uh, fuck is that? That's a long story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give me the cliff note. One of, so uh, one of the guys I was in, in place called home with, and we went on to, to do, um, 
a band called Road Less Traveled, and we sort of split. Like things, it, we just it ended. It's it, not on a good place. It's, there was ego there, and and we just had to mm. we had to go our separate ways. Um, but part of what we wanted to do, especially with Road Less Traveled, is to um, like let's promote our own music. And a lot of people say, you want to promote your music, you got to get into the hands of these playlisters. Was that your duo? That was yes. more of a duo. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Yep. And so you got to, um, he was like, you got to, you know, we, we would promote, or I'm sorry, we would um, produce big, big music, but we would go out and just play as a duo. And so we get these big songs and one of them we put out, a song called Rocks Cry Out, that ended up getting picked up on Spotify's uh, New Music Friday Christian playlist. Okay. And it, I mean, we blasted and we, we went from like 2000 monthly listeners to like 60,000 monthly listeners wow. in, in like a month, you know, and you got $4 and we got like four bucks. Yeah. 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 I think, I don't think we ever made more than about 200 bucks a year from the, from the playlisting. So it's so, more about promotion, like promoting your music, getting people to be fans and liking your music. But, um, the second that they took us off that list, everything just went straight back down. And what I realized, so we were like, what got us into it is like, we want to, let's just promote our own music. Let's become the playlisters. We'll put our stuff on our big playlists. And so you, you put a playlist together with music that's similar to yours. You put it out there and you run ads like on Facebook and YouTube and um, God, that's a lot of work. Instagram. It is a lot of work. Yeah. And, and then you've got an asset because people are listening to your playlist yeah. and musicians, uh, writers, bands want their song on your playlist. God, this is a whole, whole yeah. shit storm of no, stuff I know. So you, you, into, yeah. the, the most beautiful thing you said is you took some of the power out of the, the hands of the A&R reps right. and, and, and those folks. Mm -hmm. And you did take the power. Mm-hmm. And you, but took now the you, money exactly. Not that there was a lie. So and so, so and it, yeah. And the way it the way it works is because it can't be payola, right? So somebody pays you, and it's it's not a lot, but it it can add up. Like somebody pays you ten bucks um, to listen to their song, and you listen to it. You give them a creative feedback on their song. Hey, this is a great song. Here's what I might have done different in the bridge. Here's what here's what I liked. Here's what I didn't like. Here's what I thought about the mix. And then if you like it enough, you place it on, you put your it on place. your playlist for a certain period of time. But it just, part of that. So somebody pays the playlist or $10. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and, and there are, there are actually websites. So there's um, playlistpush.com. There's another one. I can't remember. Um, there's indie, indie something. So we were on these, there was these middlemen who would find the, um, the, the musician and the playlister and put them together. And so they're taking a cut from the middle of it as well. What are, what are they called? Middle vultures? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And, and that's what I started feeling like, man, was like, I started feeling like a vulture. I, f I started feeling like there, there are desperate artists paying money for me to listen to their music in hopes. I like, yeah, they get a review, but you can get feedback for free. You know, you don't have oh. to pay for that. And so, no, just marry somebody. And, right, exactly. <laughs> to my my wife's very honest about our music, and it's actually helped me a lot. You know, I really appreciate it. Um, but so, yeah, so they're like paying you this money in hopes that maybe you'll put it on their playlist and that people will listen. They'll get more monthly listeners, and it just became like, I'm like, I don't want to feed into this anymore, and so I stopped doing it. So sounds very corporate. It was, yeah. That and my favorite is. part of your story. First off, I'm learning. I'm here being educated. Uh, my favorite part is how you're like, I don't do it anymore. Split. Cause I'll yeah. tell you, there's one thing I'm good at. So uh, I don't want to do it anymore. Turning the fuck around. <laughs> <laughs> 
but that's to my it's been to my detriment a number of times it's been yeah. it's been a good thing a number of times sure because you know feeling right is is extremely important yeah if that's woo language to any listener i don't yeah. care feeling right is is, is go with your important. gut it's important people say that but we're yeah i'm um we're in this very studio we're doing an album this year with my really mellow transient like new age type project mm-hmm. and that we just had our meeting um maybe a week or two ago and i said look i'm just gonna say it now and i'm willing to lose that's how i gotta preface it I'm, i guess i'm <laughs> such an asshole <laughs> I don't want to use streaming platforms. Maybe one. There's one we can talk about. Yeah. It's pretty niche. Mm-hmm. I said, because I would just rather push it hmm. because I love it and watch it grow. And and if, if I get five sales, not literal sales, right? I'll see more money than if we get six million from one of the platforms. And I'm exaggerating. True. And and then I, so I say this and there's three people on a Zoom call just staring at me. <laughs> I said, and I repeat, I'm willing to lose. I just, yeah. there needs to be a fight here. Because mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do the work. I'll do yeah. the work. Well, there, and there's there's a, like, so. I'm going to lose. It's tough. Like, to so I have been there. Um, so if you don't put it on streaming, what are you going to do? Like, you're going to cut CDs and just pass them out? Yeah. Well, that's just, That's your plan. I don't know, man. Because <laughs> if no, no, you gave I, me, I, I got no plan. I gotta tell you, if you if you gave me a CD, I'd be like, thanks, but I don't have a CD player at Not home anymore. Not so, my car doesn't even have one. It's so, tough, you know. So I, I I know this is the next question. Yeah, I know that I'm going to lose, even if I had a good answer to that question. But I think about Ronald Jenkins. You guys know Ronald Jenkins? I don't know. My man wrote. Are you making that up? You're no, no. I wish, <laughs> and I wish you were my brother. <laughs> like he would. He had a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what he's doing now. I, he wrote one tune. It was an original synthesizer-based tune. Mm. And it was just dope. It just had everything. Yeah. And he put it on his website. And I might be messing up a few of the details. He was like, buy it from him for $5. And you wh- wherever you want, it could have been 40 bucks. Right. It could have been use it once for free. There was some type of very simple access, and it was not available anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. And this dude sold shitloads. That could work. And yeah, then, and, absolutely. And then his uh and his, his, his um YouTube channel. He, he had these big ass glasses. He going Hello YouTubes. <laughs> <laughs> and he would just play this synth stuff and it was, you know, uh the audio was fantastic. Like mm-hmm. the, not the audio from the technical side, just what he was writing was beautiful. It was like one keyboard, maybe two keyboards. Yeah. And he wrote this amazing stuff. I got that album. Mm-hmm. We we was jamming to it. Yeah. Um I know that he's a unicorn. I get it. And there's a, there are a few unicorns here and there, but man. Well. It feels right. Yeah. And and it's like, okay, so he's a unicorn, right? Yep. But if you put your music out on Spotify, you're just jumping into a pond f- just chock full of minnows, right? So Boy, we better get metaphorical. Is it, really, is it really that? Like going that route might be the way to go because- yeah. Um, there's like you said, there's exclusivity involved. You're finding the people who are really your true fans instead of just chucking it out to everybody and hoping that one or two of them stick. Right. And, and potentially some sort of licensing, sync yeah. licensing might get you exactly income that you won't get, but right. I understand the popularity contest. Yeah, I get it. I'm not 
anti that, but uh, doesn't mean it's the only way to go, though. No, yeah, it, well, I'm and with that's you there. always been the case. But you just, you have to be bold. You have to be brazen enough to try. And I don't yeah. know that I have the time to do it. And again, I'm willing to lose. Well, there's well, there's been, but that's what my gut says that immediately. And maybe I'm an idiot. You gotta go with your gut, man. Things that's what I can say. shift the other way. You know, yeah. they, they, we could get away. There could be a point where we get away from the the multimedia online stuff, and and it circles back. You know, it's true plaid. Plaid, plaid's back you know and yeah you know well, I mean, so like it things things are circular i think mm -hmm. i fully realize i don't i don't know the gravity of this this next statement how hard would it be to triple the income you know what i mean like right. who, who is spoken to at some point and it's like okay so this guy had a million streams and he saw 362 dollars mm -hmm. i'm grabbing numbers out of the air right for anybody listening sure can we triple it right if i get a million streams can i get a thousand dollars right can we, because who's losing money there? Yeah. Who's, who Nobody. are we uh, robbing to pay the artist? Three right. cents. Well, and I, I don't know if you guys saw, there was an article about uh, two years ago that came out talking about how Spotify's um, executive team rent out one of the most expensive, like the entire floor of one of the most expensive office buildings in New York. So they're not, they're not hurting for it. And when we talk about, we've taken, We've taken power out of the A and R reps' hands. Well, yeah, but who did it go to? Yeah, it went somewhere. It didn't go to the artist. It, it diffused somewhere. It yeah, went up top. I, it, yeah. You know what though? Like, and this is me playing devil's advocate. Sure. Thank you, Spotify, for hosting Beats for <laughs> <laughs> No, like, well, I, because yeah, it I did. It, it came with its advantages as well, right? So the the landscape is different. It doesn't mean that there's much more power in your hands as the artist right you no. still gotta there's still games to play if you're going to be on these platforms right you uh you gave the artist much more of a fighting chance than they ever had before mm -hmm. that's what you did yes and yep. that's that's wonderful but it's right. not worth one penny streams because yeah, you still took the money yeah you right. still took the money yeah. like the, the, they don't need a fighting chance if you play fair right that's my opinion. And there's probably yeah. some brilliant people out here that are just giggling oh, We could at me start a whole podcast just on that alone. No, yeah. there's a lot of talk. That, and you're not the first artist on this podcast to have, have said yeah. what you've said, too. So, like, there's, yeah. you, there is a support out there for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, but I, I do... I do want to circle back yeah. to your your band, a place called Home. Yeah, and yeah. yeah the, but I can't keep one. thinking we're going to forget that. And I don't want to forget it. Um, probably <laughs> well, that's to me that was your most creative outlet. Sure. Uh, yeah. I, don't get me wrong. I loved everything you did with all these other groups. But like, well, we didn't even talk about Five Dollar Shake either. No, you you we, guys talked enough about well, it. Well, that we don't really mention guys, that name around here. Yeah, those guys <laughs> talked about it. <laughs> they covered it pretty well. Yeah. I don't have anything to set the record straight on. It was pretty much. <laughs> did you listen to that one? I did. Yeah, it was fun. Shout out to to Jason, those guys. I was thinking like Aaron's not on, and I know why because you'll never get Aaron to come on a podcast. <laughs> challenge accepted. So Aaron, there's the challenge. You got to come on the podcast, Beach Brews and Buddies. Oh God. He's because talk about. I mean, he'd have a lot to say. You just wouldn't get him to say any of it. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, you, you know how far him and I go back, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably go. We probably go further back than you could. You could spend man, maybe anybody. You could spend an episode just talking about the different bands that you guys put together and were in throughout the years. The years. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah. Um, place called home. So that was. Um, you remember I told you. Well, so I. I we there was point of honor where it's like just pour everything into yeah. original music only. We don't do covers. Yep. We're going to cut an album. We're going to put it out there. We're just going to, you know, work our tails off to see where it goes. 
um, spent the next probably five years playing as a sideman. And what I realized was I, I'm having a blast playing other people's music, but there's this creative outlet, this creative part of me. It's just that I'm missing. Yeah. And like, I, I want to write again. I, I miss writing music. I miss playing stuff that, that matches who I am as a musician. Um, I grew so much and actually who I am as a musician changed over that five years because of the different people that I got to play with, you know, because I got to play with plastic music because I got to play with Hoppy Vaughn with Corey Campbell and with, you know, the $5 shake, it goes on. But then I got to the point where like, man, I really want to like, I want to write my own music again. And right about that time, found a guy, Wes Weinbarger's his name. He he was the lead singer of that group. And we just hit it off as far as writing goes, you know. So we started writing songs together and came out with a couple tunes, A uh, Place to Call Home. Uh, there was a song called Born Into Deep Water that um, uh, I put the hook together for. It's a silly hook. It says, though I may never make it back to the ocean, I'll still jump from my fishbowl to try, or something like that. And I was like, that's stupid. No, it's is, is Roanoke your fishbowl? No, actually, I, don't, I wouldn't call it that. What's no. your fishbowl? That's a good question. Lockhaven? <laughs> that's, that's mine. Okay. Uh, Long, Longwood was the pond in Salem. That's my fishbowl. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that pond now. It's going to kill me. No, like probably like, so what we're talking about. Is it your, your mind? Yes. That's, that's the, we're getting deep here. (laughs) Uh, We're getting deep in something. (laughs) No, at the time it was about like stepping out and like, yeah, I've made a partial living being a side guy, but I kind of want to take one more swing at just putting my music out there. And that's kind of what that was about. It was one of the first songs that we wrote. Um, well, timing is everything. So, like, sure. think of all the experience you had with the first group, Point of Honor, and then mm-hmm. playing out, and then you get this creative drive again, right. and you come out, and I'll be honest, the coolest shit I've ever watched, like, online, because this is when <laughs> this is when Facebook's a big deal, yeah. Uh, and um, you guys started putting out videos of yes. where every, like, that's what I want to talk about, that cabin house that you guys did. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That was the coolest thing, and it was like, oh, this is home. Yeah. This is home. This is what, this is what the, this valley in Southwest Virginia. Right sounds like to me yes and, and i know i'm your age and that might be a biased opinion to those that are listening but sure. you'll be okay um but to me that was like oh this is it's new age it it wasn't just country it was appalachian right. soul and that's kind of where like when i started listening to jared stout it's like oh this guy this kid gets it too yeah. um and it's it was a cre- you created a space in my my opinion of to give this valley a voice. Yeah. I mean, that's where we wanted to go with it was like, we called it Appalachian rock and roll. Cause they were like, everybody's like, well, what do you sound like? You know, you, you always get hit with that question. And, um, so we are like, well, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of Americana. It's kind of rock. It's kind of this kind of folk. And so we just started saying it was Appalachian rock and roll. Love um, Mike, Mike was the guitar player. Mike Lorich, the guitar player in that group. Your brother played in that group too. My brother played bass. That was really fun to have a bass. Like, cause I played with Jeremy before in, um, in point of honor, but he was on guitar. And so to have Jeremy come in at on, on the bass and to have a brother, like we can lock it in as musicians as bass and drums, but like we got to lock it in as brothers too. You know, we got a lot of history 
we go way we go way back man i so, i I've, i'm not gonna make fun of any of that <laughs> it's cool you know you know how it is man like no i do i do when you find a drummer well, actually all or three a bass of us player, do. i played with my, my brother right. played keys you yeah know? and like it, i get it it's something about family yeah. that you know um, I, th- I think our experiences were different good and but bad alike that's okay <laughs> yeah. yours versus ours <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so, i got you yeah i understand it can it can be great and it can be awful and it just depends. Yeah. When you when you have a sibling who knows how to push your buttons, oh, like yeah. we we had like there were a couple of times with place called home where there was some like knockdown dragouts and one of them I I I instigate I fully instigated Jeremy if you're listening you know what I'm talking about um, this was out at out the Smith Mountain Lake and I said you don't have to tell the story I'm not going to tell the story okay, but okay. I did. <laughs> I said something to him that um, I knew was just going to rib him. And, um, yeah, we ended up with a big fight. But, you know, it's that's part of being brothers, too, you mm-hmm. know. But so Mike wrote that tune. Um, call it, it's good, He called it Appalachia. And it's got this, like, just four on the floor kind of gritty, bluesy drive to it. And we were like, I want, we want to be that, and we want to be, like, like, folksy ballads as well. We were to put that together. Um and then that's actually what got me in a video too, was we, we were like, we need to, again, like this is our music. Nobody's going to promote our music. We need to put something out there. So we started, we started calling them the, um, the, the good night sessions, yeah, I think. Some, yeah. yeah. Where we would go out and we played late night sessions or something. Like well, that. we played acoustic. We did a couple acoustic ones, like out in the middle. We, we went out to my grandfather. My grandfather's got some, um, like farmland out in Blue Ridge. And we went, there's one, we're playing Born Into Deep Water, all acoustic. And um, behind me is a wash tub hanging on a shed. And my dad was like, I used to bathe in that wash tub when I was, <laughs> when I was five years old. And um, so it was really cool to actually get to play that like Appalachian roots, getting back to our roots music in a place where like literally my, my dad grew up in his Appalachian roots, like right there. It was, it was really cool. And then we did the living room sessions where we, we found, um, we knew a guy, a friend of ours who worked for the water authority and they had that cabin out there right by, um, the reservoir. And so he just let us borrow it for the night. We came in, um, set up, we, we like begged, borrowed and stole every camera we could find. Like, you know, my friend, this friend over here has a camera. This friend has a camera. We just put them all up on tripods. We had our, our girlfriends and our wives manning the cameras, moving them around for us. And we, we did like three songs that way. And I think that's kind of what propelled us into the music scene. Was really here was cool. that I took a, I think I was on the road um, with uh, stomp or PM mm-hmm. when I saw some of that and um, it gave me the, I'm always cool. Always excited to see people creating stuff. Yeah. Good, bad, ugly. Right. I can't, I can't encourage people to do that more because mm. you just don't know until you know. Right. And it might be that you don't know what you're capable of till you try. Right. Right. Yep. But there's, there's levels of noticing. So I'm always happy to see somebody pushing something. But when I saw that, I can't remember the song, but I do remember being in some hotel someplace mm-hmm. and uh, it was the next level of noticing. Mm. I was like, Oh shit, look at, look at this. Nice. <laughs> nice. I gave it, gave it a good listen. I'm like, it's a solid song. Like yeah. this, this could happen. Yeah. You, know, th- you can get that vibe on a million different projects. It's never going to happen. There's so much that goes into it. Right. But I was just so happy to see you 
creating other stuff, innovative yeah. types, innovative at Appreciate the time. Because now everybody's on that like that Appalachian influence. Yeah, it's yeah. everywhere, uh-huh. and it has been for about maybe five, ten years. Uh huh. It's but cool that, to see it come around. That Appalachian influence stuff should just tell everybody it's okay to be where you're from. Yeah, because because we can go back and we can find influences influences from other places that um, permeated styles of music and created new it. versions yep. and it's okay because we you, we always feel like i got to get out of here to do something amazing there's a certain truth to that sure but what you're really getting out of is your own head and your comfort zone right it's not necessarily the the streets and the grass and the mountains that, right right that encapsulate us it's out of your own head yeah so some people don't need that lesson i needed it for mm-hmm. sure i'm mm-hmm. glad i wouldn't change a thing right but you, you know you just produce something that was i'm like this is noticeable not just from the I'm glad people are trying. Right. Perspective. Like, this is good. This yeah. is good stuff. And I, yeah. I actually thought that, thought the same thing with Point of Honor. Because when we were doing some lessons, I was like, I, did, I didn't see you hit that hard. Mm-hmm. Which is okay. Which I, That's not a slam. Yeah. People, right. people get picky. <laughs> um, but now you came out this is swinging, swinging those bats. And that music was good, too. Right. I yeah. love seeing so many people. And I can play devil's advocate here. So many people get caught up in their instrument. Yeah. And that's so good. That's why we have the players that we have. You know, they mm-hmm. see one thing every day and they just get better and better and better and better. And there's a lot of people that are multi-instrumental. And I don't see that getting pushed. Yeah. Uh, it's not that it doesn't get pushed. Mm-hmm. It's that it's just a thing, right? I'm multi-instrumental. Right. Travis right. is. You are. Yep. And I'm not so concerned with being with the level you, you're at at each instrument. I'm concerned with your overall overall artistic capability yeah yeah you push some stuff forward okay Solid, okay yeah. so i'm a c level at nine instruments right i got that's good yeah <laughs> that's yep. a good thing yeah and you're, you're you hit on something there that i came to the realization in my life was like i'm i'm not going to be like a terry bozio drummer i'm not going to be the guys that i look up to um, not that like I couldn't work hours and hours and hours a day and get there. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the drive to do that. I, it's not to. what I wanted to be. No. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to create, I wanted to produce, I wanted to write. Um, and what best suited me to be able to do that was to be the level of drummer that I am mm-hmm. and to pick up a bass, you know, yeah. and to pick up a mandolin and a guitar. I got to play like banjo mandolin on that, on that project. And yeah. It was so much fun. And like, it wasn't all that good because I was learning as I went. Like I played mandolin on a track that, that I think I, I, I'd like picked out the melody. I'd just gotten a mandolin for my birthday, I think, if I remember right. And like, I picked out the melody of one of our songs as we were producing it. And I was like, this should go on there. Mm-hmm. So then we just mic'd up the mandolin that I got a week ago and I, I just, you know, cranked out the melody on it. But it was fun to be able to yeah. do that and to have these voices and to have these 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 different pockets you can pull from um, to go like this is the sound that that needs. This is this is the vibe. This is um, and yeah. When you learn, uh, when you become sort of a jack of all instruments and a master of none, um, it gives you that ability though to then go out and to produce and to recognize when something's above you and you need to bring a guy in. Totally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then you can also recognize which guy might do the job better. Exactly. Because there's something that needs to be spoken and you're mm-hmm. just, you're not speaking. Mm-hmm. We could go down a really, really oh, yeah. deep hole with that. But um, just seeing people create makes me happy, especially, you know, old students. I don't really think of 
uh, teaching you guys. I think of it as sharing because mm. I think any good teacher will learn from a student as well. Um, uh, that's what made you a great teacher, man. We, yeah. we learned a ton from that. And it was, yeah, it was cool. Well, it's sincere. Well, we've had several that we can, we can literally compare to, you yeah. know? And so, yeah. I mean, I think that's important for you to say, and I'm glad you did. Can I yeah. tell, can I tell a story of your first lesson? Sure. Go for it. So this is, this is pretty silly. I want to see if I remember the same. Because I don't, Remember a lot of first lessons. I remember I've met people, man, Chaz Casey. You remember this? This is a Beats, Bruise, and Buddy story. I taught this little kid to play drums. He had all the ability in the world, didn't care. He laughed loud. <laughs> and and I'll put the play your kick here, your hand here. Like, ah! And he was fine, right? And and his dad was super serious, like a mm. preacher. He's like, How's he doing? I'm like, he's got a mad ability, he's just not doing it. Yeah. And his dad was like, What do you mean? I'm like, Well, he's so young. This dude is like the most sought after organ player. Mm on the east coast right now so wow. we, we we after one of the the bbbs at his house yeah we started like looking him up and he was i mean like and he doesn't play any contemporary or not like cory henry or anything but right. from the same school yeah uh, the same tradition i should say right i should say and and so i messaged him i was like yo is this you and he got he's like jeremy cameron hughes episode. <laughs> he said you're my first music teacher i was like bro I just found out a little bit about what you got going on mm -hmm. and proud isn't the word, but I hope you're well. That's he goes, awesome. Man, I remember all our lessons. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I remember some of them. Yeah. But now he's out there do doing that. So, uh, I'm sorry. kind of got sidetracked. Oh, no, it's cool. I had a point. Josh's first lesson. You were talking about oh, my first Josh's lesson. Oh, Josh's first lesson. Yeah. yeah. My man come in and bring sticks. Mm -hmm. He brought renegade by sticks. Oh, <laughs> And the only reason I knew is because when I when those first few Adam Sandler movies came out, I realized I was not a menace to society and it was okay <laughs> to be me. Yeah. <clears throat> I identify with Billy Madison. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Adam Sandler. Just a little less concerned with uh the world's right trajectory, what they think should be your trajectory. Um but so that song is yeah. in one of the movies, yeah. and that's how I know it. And uh -huh. I love sticks. Like I, I follow Todd now, their current drummer. Mm -hmm. I think he's doing great things yeah. for the school of drumming. And there's so much stuff going on now. He's like a, he's a great, he's a great dude. I'm glad he's his presence is strong. But you brought that shit in your first lesson. I'm like, man, <laughs> I just know that you played a trumpet, and I got to rearrange my kit now. <laughs> Talk about salty. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do that. And I don't think I did. I said, we well, just gonna you did. Cool bit of, I did. And it, no, yeah, you so you sweet. said. I said I play left handed. I, I I turn the kid around, and you said, well, I'm not turning my kid around for you every week, so you're gonna learn to play open. Best thing that anybody ever did to me was that right there, <laughs> because <laughs> because See? I learned to play open. I could sit in on anybody's kit. I don't I don't have to worry about like. I, and I, I, I developed a specific style <laughs> by playing lefty open like that. I know that. And I wasn't, you know, and I'm sure you had every intention of doing that for me when you said that, nah, you know, or maybe you just didn't want to turn your camera. No, I was, no, I was being, look at the camera. <laughs> no, I was being lazy, but, <laughs> but I did absolutely yeah. realize that you were, you would not be allowed to backline. Yeah. And there, there was, and there I was, probably didn't say those words to you, but I'm like, you did explain it though. Okay. You were like, listen, this is gonna, it's going to be better for you to do it this way. Um, and it, it absolutely was. Yeah. Yep. So he, he brings this thing and we, man, back in the day, I used to transcribe like full tunes almost. Yep. And now I still got that book, I was, a little notebook oh that you transcribe, 
Transcribe. Is that that's not right? Transcribe. He's one more vanilla powder. <laughs> um, but I was like, I don't know. And I'm like, you can read. You read eighth notes, so you read sixteen notes because we were doing charts at Northside, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, well, let's try. Let's just try. Because mm-hmm. um, I used to be stuck as a teacher. Like, there's this, there's a thing things you got to learn if you want to be a drummer. Here, right here, 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 here. Right. And I do still believe that. Mm-hmm. I just don't teach it anymore. Right. I'm like, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to learn? And I, so that was one of those moments. I'm like, I can't start this guy at nothing. So I probably just gave you like a, a rudiment. Explain some some details, and then we jumped into this tune. I'd be right. damned if he didn't learn the whole song. <laughs> all all other handed, like, yeah. they say open. Yeah, it's other other handed. <laughs> now I was like, man, let's, let's keep getting it. Yeah, <clears throat> and then we did. <clears throat> that was our first lesson, and we worked it all out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you poor people just had to learn whatever I liked. I'd be That's like, ah, here's this incubus thing. I like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Okay, you poor really? people. Chat. <laughs> <laughs> Travis, I don't know if you ever got this. There was one time, and I still like I do. You start lessons at the fret mill, and Jeremy's like, "You got to buy this book of blank staff paper so that I can just write stuff down in it." <laughs> oh shit, did that happen? I did still it? have it. I still have that book at home. I need to pull it out. I'll take a picture of it, send it to you guys because I was looking through it um, when we moved. We moved up. I found it, and I was looking through it. And there was this one time where he probably just turned on the radio and it was on the radio on his way into the lesson and he was listening because it was, it was Cisco, the thong song. (laughs) And and there's this, um, uh, what was it? Um, it wasn't hi-hat and you were like, it's, it's It's a kibasa. And he was like, you know, and so he wrote down the kibasa part and had me play it on the hi-hat and play the song. And um, and then we did like reggaeton for two weeks after that because um, that's just where it took us. So there, there's a misnomer. People assume that I took lessons, drum set lessons. Oh, did you? You never took lessons from? I took one lesson. Yeah. From him, uh, it was just privately. He came to my house when I was first right. purchasing a drum set. Yeah. And, Zero rec. I remember coming to your house and, one time. And then, <laughs> and but I didn't start taking drum lessons with Jeremy until I was 35. So three years. Wow! Ago. Yeah, recently. I, I still, did not I think know I that. still owe him like four or five lessons. It's like twelve. Well, yeah, he's, yeah. here, there. Who's counting? All right. he, he is. <laughs> he's counting in twelve eight right now. Yeah. <laughs> no counting whatsoever. So uh, I, I, I do remember that. And it, funny enough, I, I didn't realize this when we moved up, but like we're in Pittsburgh now, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, like one of their big things is um, they'll play Renegade in the stadium. Everybody <laughs> turns their terrible. You saying you didn't remember that? No, I did. Yeah, okay. I remember. I remember bringing you Renegade. Uh, Six was like one of my favorite bands growing up. My dad got me when I first got a drum set. My dad handed me a cassette tape of Zeppelin Four. It's like here, try just try playing along to this. And so, like, I I learned on like big giant bottom beats and and this big, and then he would just give me a new cassette like every week. So I got that. I got uh, the Who. You know, and he handed me Sticks. Uh, Boston, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. See, if I were to pick a drummer to compare you to, it would uh-huh. be, it would be bottom. Bottom, me. yeah. Is that like those big, heavy, like yeah. you just, in the pocket beats? Yes. That's my thing. You just played big and heavy, and I'll, yeah. I'll I'll never forget the first time you sat down on drum set at Jazz Band, <laughs> and I was like, shit, I have I've had a fucking war. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's that was a good thing. You were like. Yeah. You, you know, like when you're younger, you're like competitions, like competition, and you're like angry at it. Sure, yeah. I don't know that I was there. Probably right. was, but <laughs> but like now that I'm older, it's like holy shit, thank you. Yeah, you know, thank you, thanks for having somebody like you 
to push me because I played with like Sean Deal mm-hmm. and Bradley Simpson. But Bradley, lo- I love him, no mm-hmm. offense, but he he didn't really want to do it. And yeah. so I took his place senior year. Right. And that was a really good thing for me to, to get me out of that, my own element. Right. And so like I had to really push to to figure out what I wanted to do sure. musically. And so like without somebody like you and like Jeremy as a teacher, it was, you know, yeah. you, you have to look back at those things, those moments and appreciate them and where those other people have played um, right. a role for you. So right. thank you, Josh Smelser. Oh, well, I appreciate that. You, I, you know who plays like Bonham from that group of guys more than anybody? Who's that? Is it Deal? Sean no. Deal? No. no. Who are you talking about? No. Mason Janelle. Mason Janelle. Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And you can hear it even in this, like the bands that he's played in. I'm not in saying he plays like Bonham because you can really piss some people off. Sure. Statements. But he's got those grooves, mate. He's just got deep pocket. Chad, yeah. Chad Smith would oh, be the one. He got some free. Oh, I get that too. He yeah. got some yeah. free ass hands. Yeah. I don't get the Bonham thing with <laughs> you. Used to be like, uh, it is so no matter what you play i just saw will kennedy you probably don't know yeah who that is. no i know exactly will but kennedy so you, you know you're playing open-handed another and another other handed guy other handed yeah. but he See, always i but, told you we talk about that he's lefty a, he's a bit <laughs> he was a bit um he was playing is not stiff at all right but the he played this weird they did this drum ramp thing back yeah. in the day bob gatson <laughs> he had a, he had like a, it looked like he was getting ready to launch off into space when like yeah back. I, rem- I remember like uh, modern drummer was my bible for about I don't know, 10 years. Mm. And uh, I remember seeing this and and thinking, this is stupid. Is it okay to say something <laughs> stupid in Modern Drummer? Because that's my, that, this is my tablet. This is my life's direction. Yep. And uh, I said, it is okay. My buddy Wit, he, he was so quick to, to let anybody know what he thought was stupid. <laughs> um, and he's a very successful drummer. Uh, I, I, I wasn't like that. I'm like, this is stupid. Stupid, but the w- the way Will played it, it looked like when you. Play, I don't care. I didn't listen to one damn note when mm-hmm. I see you play. I'm like, I think of Will Kennedy. Will Kennedy, not necessarily in the ramp, but I but I think of him. Sure. Um, th- that that brought up something that you said something quite a while ago, and I want to say it now. Mm-hmm. Um, it just it was a thought. Uh, I, I've said I say this to groups when I teach in groups or if I'm directing things, and I don't know if it, it's to my detriment or not. I think a good teacher. It leads his student to disagree with him. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, and that's how I know. And it's less about capabilities and things. Cause if you really want to sharpen your knife, mm-hmm. take your ass into your woodshed and yeah. sharpen, you sharpen your knife. That's right. So when, when you're uh, studying and teaching kids, I, I, this is one thing I think I had right when I was younger. I'm like, I'm just going to show you what I know I can show you, uh-huh. give you my thoughts and you can do all that practicing. Yeah. That's yeah. really what, what it is. Um, which is why I didn't get along with the drum corps mentality. It was kind of the other way around. Right. Here's what you will play. Right. And from that, you can glean lessons. Mm-hmm. Like, I would just kind of the other, other way around. Here's what's important. Yeah. You pick what you want to do. Um, but when your students uh, intelligently disagree with you, mm-hmm. you've done your job right. That's good. You've, yeah. done, you've done your job, especially in, in art. I mean, I, we're not talking about like surgeons. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little different. That's not the appendix. <laughs> I, I, I creatively disagree. <laughs> but that's what makes art art. That's what makes it so beautiful. And that's yeah. why, you know, um, that's why you, we have to do it. You know, that whole thing, like art imitates life. Right. It does. Yeah. And if you don't do it, people won't identify with it. Yeah. Uh, 
So when I think, yeah, having like guys like Travis and me, having you around gave like one of the biggest things I learned coming up through high school was just expression through music. And that was part of that is you just, you encouraged us to express ourselves through what it was that we were playing, you know? And I feel like, uh, you know, know, Travis, first of all, Travis talks about me coming in and sitting down on kit. And then you mentioned Mason Janelle. I remember Mason coming in there like before jazz band rocking some yyz and yeah. me going oh man i better start practicing again yeah. <laughs> that kid was so good. good but so i feel was, like i well what's, I what's weird a, about that is like it's like i love you mason in case he's listening you know when it came to being in the drum line there's a bit of struggle yes yeah. there's a certain there, uh things have to be structured in order structured in a certain way right and um what you're saying like i would fully encourage people to express themselves try to get the music sounding good and, and go against the drum corps grain be like, I don't, how many of you guys are really going to go do that right. let's have a good time and let me educate you right rather than, than technique and stuff and here and then we get guys like mason there's a few other who, mm-hmm. who just didn't that wasn't there and i'm like okay so let's get a baseline technique yeah and where he struggled a little while i'm not saying he couldn't play the notes right but you know you, you try to have a, a similar looking technique so your drum line doesn't get bashed right um and then no sooner than high school's over this dude's playing in all kinds of bands yeah he's he's not and and i played in one with him uh-huh uh, i played guitar in a michael jackson tribute that's right, i remember that with one of my one of my best friends that was, at, that was at martin's right so i think it was there for that gig we did a few of them yeah and i can say i don't know if mason would be my first call on that gig naturally but when, when we played the way Mason just simply approached the music mm-hmm. and the way he counterbalanced the people in the room, and it, it felt really nice to play with him yeah. on another instrument. And I remember going, Man, you, you really can't judge books by their cover. And when, when it comes to art, yeah. creative arts, and when it comes to music, uh-huh. you can be terrible right. at piano, yep. but play blues guitar like no one else can express. And it's yeah. not... It's not the formalities of it. It's right. the expression of it. Yep. And that shit gets left off. When I my kids at Farum, I teach at Farum, uh-huh. and our first lesson, I'm like, uh, I bring them in and say, "Do you know your chord inversions?" And I got drummers; they likely don't know any yeah. inversions. I'm like, I'm going to play them for you, and I'm going to show you how they work. And I show them on a piano, mm-hmm. and like, cool, got it. Are we done? I'm like, no. You have to tell me which one's your favorite. <laughs> nice. And they go like this. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't, I don't really know. know. And I'll uh, say, if you don't like any of them more than the other, say that. Yeah. But if you'd like one more than the other, and a lot of people pick third inversions. They like that mm. five in the bass, right? Mm-hmm. I'm like, cool. You're allowed to have that opinion. See ya. Yeah. I think that could be explored sooner in music education. Absolutely. I'm and not talking about the elementary kids, but I'm sure. saying sooner. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is that, that it's we, jazz band, high school jazz bands are weird in that you're playing a highly expressive form of music and you're approaching it so academically. Yeah. And I think that's the advantage that I had when I walked into jazz bands that I had not played the kit in an academic setting. I played trumpet in an academic setting, but I had been playing drums largely in church and um, just jamming with my friends, learning to express myself. And so I was able to come in and sort of like see the music on the stand, but also put it away for a minute and just play by feel. And yeah, you don't really get taught that as early on in, in the, the musical academic world as you should. Well, right? No, you need a syllabus. You need things to go by. Now, yeah. by all means, I'm not, I'm That's not important. knocking yeah. any of it, Yeah, but I would argue it's less important. Uh-huh. Um, 
but then there there are kids in those classes that are never going to express themselves musically. They're in there sure. to learn music, and right. that, that that's where it shines. I'm gonna say I'm gonna mm-hmm. say this, and mm-hmm. so and correct me if I'm wrong. You are self taught on drum set, uh, pretty much, yeah. Un- until you started doing drum lessons, right? Oh yeah, I played for a couple years before jumping in with with Jeremy over there. Yeah, okay. so am I. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't your main instrument, right? In, at first, so. A lot of those cats back in that day, mm-hmm. they had been doing that since probably what end of because Greg didn't when would have given them the chance what I guess sixth grade maybe yeah. seventh grade sixth seventh grade right so you and I came in I came in at ninth grade right and and did that mm-hmm. so there's there's a li- a little bit difference with the feel part in my opinion sure um, because that was something that was not taught for us and we were able to just jump in and do those things where everybody else had already had that academic structure Mm -hmm. and i think that's what set you and i apart sure hey that could we could go down a different path there where you talk about learning the rules so you can break the rules too right yeah i said that where was was it yesterday i was like music is the best one Uh um a, a quick thought wait earlier it was mentioned that you know ads they used to say put out ads for musicians and drummers and right (laughs) <laughs> at one at one point, as I started to learn things, I took a little bit of a, a little bit of offense. You need to reset that. Good. About to drop some wisdom. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I'm probably not. I'm probably about to drop some poop. <laughs> um. So, I took a little bit of offense because I knew how it just made me a better drummer. I'm like, okay, so now I got to look at the elements of music and the mm. elements of drum kit playing. And right. then I found out the drum kit wasn't very old, started looking at where the drum kit came from and all that, you yeah. know, um, there is, I'm really not even equipped to say, I think about this a lot and I hope to find some, the right words at some point. I'm so happy with them being separated these days oh, because yeah. there's an energy Mm-hmm. There is a responsibility and there is a spirit, a literal spirit. And I'll save that for another podcast that comes from being that guy. Yeah. And so you, you, it may be that you're tone deaf. Mm-hmm. It may be, but you might have the biggest company hug just in your bones. Cause when you do what you do, yeah, everybody else can do what right. they do. Mm-hmm. And I don't, you know, it's, I'm short of the cliche, like foundation analogies. Cause I think it's, I don't, I don't think it's just, you lay the foundation. Right. I don't think it's that. I think mm-hmm. you actually rally the troops. Yeah. And if you look at it ceremonially, ceremonially, <laughs> if you look at it historically, yeah. Uh, the drums are there for ceremony to, conjure certain spirits and that's not literal sure ghosts it's it's energetics right. you know there there are time to harvest time to mate time to sleep right and they would call on the drum to do that and mm. it would work because mm. there would be you would subdivide space and time with a rhythm mm. and everybody in the place would link up together it yeah. was communal yeah and you're doing that so if you want to separate it please separate it yeah no I'm that's some knowledge right there. Deep, deep. I hundred percent agree with you. It's though. deeper, but it's it, we're. Yeah. It's been a long. It's been a hell of a podcast already. I know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I know we're way over the the kind of hour, but that's that's okay. I, I got one more question, and I'm truly interested. Now that you've moved, who are you voting for? <laughs> <laughs> who's I your go. favorite Batman? Uh, now that now that you, you know I said Batman. I did. I said who's your favorite Batman? Um, <laughs> Now that you Donald Trump, <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I you just better had, ask that question. <laughs> I know. Now that you've moved and you've been kind of estranged from Roanoke, for, not estranged, yeah. but moved yeah. elsewhere yeah. to a bigger city mm-hmm. um, over the past couple of years, talk about um, the differences of the musicality there and here. I mean, I know you're um, oh, yeah. uh-huh. doing the video, creative right. scene. Um, yeah. I don't know if you still get to go out and listen to music with the family or whatever. But, sure, um, yeah. yeah. We get there time to time. Uh, so I'm in Pittsburgh now. I would say this. This is it's an, this is an interesting thing to say. Anybody back in Pittsburgh might get mad at me, but I don't think that the level of talent there is any different than here. Bro, ham. Uh, <laughs> finish, finish, please. So, um, and I know uh, there's a there's just you know the numbers are the numbers. There's far more people there, so there are probably far more talented musicians there. But the level of talent that's in that in in Pittsburgh is no higher, I would say, than the level of talent that's in Roanoke. And I'll say it. I'll say this too. I don't think that's true of every big and small city. No further questions, Your Honor. I, that's, uh, <laughs> I rest think, my case. honestly, and that's that was the blessing that coming up through the Roanoke music scene was because there's a lot of really good talent in this town. Like this city has, and. I'm not even talking about like, you know, you know, Austin's got a great blues scene. Uh, um, Nashville's got a great country scene. It, it's everybody here. Like it's there's there's great jazz musicians. There's great funk and soul musicians. There's great hip hop artists. There's some really great DJs around here, you know, that that make electronic music. It's just all across the board. Yeah. If you want a certain type of music and you come to Roanoke, you're going to find it. And you're going to find it at a certain level of talent here that you would probably not expect if you didn't come up that's a, in this in this that's city. A really, that's a very solid way of saying it. Yeah. yeah there, there's, there's, you know? uh, I like that. And I want to, before I uh, put my two cents in, mm-hmm. uh, it's, I'm, it's not just pride mm-hmm. that I speak uh, on this from. Although it's there, I'd be would be lying if I said I'm not proud of our little town. Sure, it's that when I got out and I got to these big cities, I I saw uh, players mm-hmm. that needed to live in those cities. Yeah, I will say I understood the gap. Right, but you come down a couple of notches from these. I don't want to say virtuoso, just highly accomplished players. Right, come down a couple of notches, and our city was per capita equally as full yeah yeah um now maybe if they moved those, those cats moved from our city to another city then they would have the opportunity and be and be fed the challenges right for uh through which they could become better mm-hmm. but man i mean everywhere and i'm not obviously there's new york there's la there's nashville and then, sure. then there's the the lesser known cities like i'm a memphis cat oh yeah uh, my, not from there but when when i travel tennessee and uh-huh. i love nashville you yeah. just it man it is this is just shark infested waters and they're fantastic <laughs> and i love it and i'm yep. glad it's there yep uh that's where i studied with, with some cats but when mm-hmm. i go to memphis there's a mood yeah yeah and the uh-huh. mood is stronger than the ability right of the cats in, in other cities yeah and, and and we hold that mood and we hold some talent Mm-hmm. And not to the same level, but per capita in a little bowl of a town that we have. Yeah. That's why you got, I don't want to mention names. There's certain names out here doing really, really big stuff, but mm-hmm. they come to the store right here in this yeah. store. And I'm like, oh, I know who he's on tour with and I yeah. know who he's on tour with. And, yeah. um, you know, like, um, it, it just happens here and that yeah. happens everywhere. I'm not saying it doesn't. I just feel like yep. it's a little more 
concentrated. Yeah. And I might be wrong. Agreed. I'll tell you this on the same note. Mm-hmm. If you ever go to Porto, Portugal, mm. the cover base scene. Yeah. It's, it's the craziest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, you know, you've been in Nashville, right? You, yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you I just came from Nashville not long ago. 12 steps and you walk in the door and you see somebody that's on tour with somebody huge. Somebody's about to be there next year. Yep. Um, so imagine doing that, but in a, in a European city. So the, the roads are brick. Right. The ladies are nice. The language is different uh-huh. until they play music. Right. And you walk in and one band's playing Queens of the Stone Age and you swear up and down it's Queens of the <laughs> Stone Age. Yeah. And this isn't coming from your grandpa that doesn't play music. It's right. coming, from, coming from a musician. Yeah. And you walk down, you hear somebody playing Phil Collins. You take eight steps. And you, the Porto uh, cover band scene. Interesting. I was like, this reminds me of Roanoke. Not in the cover band aspect, but that everybody uh-huh. was kind of in a small little pond yep. pushing each other to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the point of this podcast is to do that openly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I so I, years ago, 13 years ago now, I got to go to Rome. And we went to a place called Big Mama's in Rome. where It was a blues, little hole-in-the-wall blues place. Phenomenal band. And they're playing like you're, just your standard blues, like Mustang <laughs> Sally's. I mean, they were pulling out some um, – they played What is Hip, um, playing a lot, of, a lot of crazy stuff, horns band – they didn't speak a lick of English, um, and so she would, she be the the uh, had a female front, and she would sing, and you would hear words that were supposed to be one word, and they were a different word because she just hearing what she heard on tape. But um, there's a parallel there too in that like they, a lot of Europe loves the blues um, and wants to be like this American blues sound. They really want it, right? Um, I feel like sometimes there there are aspects there are people in Roanoke who like want to be something else then they want that for roanoke and that like you you used to hear a lot i don't know if you still do but you used to hear like roanoke needs to be more like Asheville, you know or roanoke needs to be more like this or that when really roanoke needs to be roanoke and there are uh, there are a lot of other towns going man we need to be more like roanoke there are you know what i'm saying covington yeah (laughs) that's kind of a joke But no, it's true. And I, one of the biggest issues we talked about earlier is feeling like you needed to leave to get where you're going. Right. I support that. I did that. Sure. Lots of people have done that. Yep. It's not, it, it, that's not inherently true for everybody. You don't have to, no. You don't have to. It's not a good, all. it's a good idea, yep. but you don't have to. Being proud of where you, where you come from is, is yeah. important. I didn't like the blues till I left here. Yeah. Well, I, and in fact, I was sad to leave. Like we, yeah. we, we left for opportunity, but I was sad to leave this music scene. Um, even for, I mean, Pittsburgh's got an amazing music scene, uh, you know, so don't get me wrong there, but, um, but it's not, it's not any better. I don't think it's a little bit more vast. It's bigger, but I don't think it's any better than what's here in Roanoke. And I love it, man. I, every time we come back, I'm like, who's playing where? Let me see if I can go see somebody while I'm in town. Um, because it's just a joy to watch the incredible musicians that live here, you know? Yeah. So I love how they stuff. all come back. Not all of them. Lots of them. You generally do. Back. Yeah. You go out there, but you, you make your way back eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I think we have a lot of room to grow, but I think we should be proud of what we got here. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Josh, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, yeah. Well, welcome to the Buddy Gauntlet. <laughs> How big is your minivan? <laughs> Question number one. Uh, I don't have um, a Look at his face. He's scared. Not at all. <laughs> Check my heartbeat. It's fine. <laughs> his heart rate variability. 
<laughs> Who's your top musical influence? Gosh, oh, the sleeper, man. Smelser. Golly. Top musical influence, like overall, just one. I, I have to pick just one. You said you listened to the show. I know. <laughs> but uh, I've heard other people ask, so I figured I would. Um, mm. Mm. I have, I'm, I'm just, just based on the writing alone, I'm going to say Bob Dylan because crazy. I've always wanted to be a great songwriter and I feel like that's, that's just what Dylan was. He's he just passed through the old town here a couple of weeks did ago. He? he did. I didn't know that. He played a lot of piano. I heard. Yeah. I, I, I believe that. Who's your top non-musical influence? Oh, beer. Beer. <laughs> no, but beer is good. Uh, my top non-musical influence. Um, I should have gone over these questions because I, I know didn't they give were them to coming. You. I know, but I should have like I should have just listened to the last podcast and hear what they had to say. Um, you and me both. My top top non-musical influence. Um drives you man what else what 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 makes you want to make music that's not musical right um we could all answer this question weekly it stumps me man yeah because there are so many there are so many different ones um but uh i guess so i'll just say i'll just say my family um because a lot of i mean you know my my life has been shaped by my wife and kids. Um, you got two two kids now. Three, three yeah. Three three you got two. You got two wives. Two two wives. <laughs> two out wives? there in Salt Lake, kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. We our our youngest uh, Solomon was just born. He's he's eight months old now. So yeah. I guess not just born, Congrats. but it feels Sorry, like that. that. No, it's all good. Damn it, Facebook. So yeah, you know, probably my family. But this is, I mean, you know, you could you could drop a lot of writers in there. You could drop a lot of philosophers in there and it just it's tough to pick something yeah. you know what i mean no it's a it's a thing uh, it's i think we need to check in with that frequently yeah yeah um i don't know this doesn't apply to him right i guess not what is it if you could play any instrument other than your typical oh instrument what would it be and why the, it's like well i play a bunch of them the didgeridoo don't (laughs) (laughs) i will say that i never learned to play piano i i can tinker but i can't and it's i missed a i feel like i missed a lot of fundamentals i think um i think linearly and so i think if i learned to play piano i would have a better grasp on um chords and harmonic structure than i do and that would have helped me a lot so it would be piano do you think linearly linearly because of the trumpet Playing? yes yeah. yeah um and so i i tend like a lot of people can learn chord structure through guitar but that's more of sort of a matrix style of thinking you know because there are multiple you can hit multiple notes on different parts of the fretboard you can put a capo on it and it changes it. exactly you can hit the yeah. exact pitch on multiple parts right exactly yeah so you can't hit the exact pitch on a piano but correct one place it's a linear thing yeah. and that's that's what i'm more drawn to so i feel like if i had learned piano and my mom tried to teach me i was just too stubborn when i was a kid so um sorry about that mom because i know she's gonna listen she told me she would um 
I wish I had learned Man, more. I wish you had told yeah, me that. Before. I'm so sorry I cursed so much, Miss Melser. Shit, no, I'm not worried about that. So sorry. She's not gonna I'm apologizing because <laughs> it's me. Okay, let me be me. But um <laughs> Yeah, piano, man, because I, I would have been able to um, learn a lot more of that harmonic structure, I think, easier with um, the the ability to play piano. Yeah, it's it's a yeah. good one. Um, wow. That one was a lot easier. You know, he says, I'm just kind of spitballing here. You mentioned earlier about being multi-instrumental. We're all kind of multi-instrumental. Yeah, here. yeah. And how you could take the time to to like pick one and just woodshed. You'd get bored probably. Yeah. I would. Yeah, I would. Uh-huh. Um and I thought I thought this when you said it, and now the piano is your answer to this. Is that the answer to the question? Yes. That's P- the answer. Pinana. Pinano. Pinano. <laughs> Pino. That's not even let's just that where it goes. Um even if I could go over there and play Flight of the Bumblebee on that piano, mm-hmm. I wouldn't. You wouldn't do it. No, I don't want to. Yeah. No, I've had to deconstruct that tune. I love that tune. Right. Yeah. And it's okay. That's okay. Yeah. And you were kind of saying this. You were saying it in such a specific way. But but, that's but, exactly the sentiment. Yeah. Yep. But for people who like grab that one, like my, my friend Jody, who's not with us anymore, he mm. didn't care. He only wanted to play guitar. Yeah. And when he touched it, you could tell. Right. right? So it's so valuable. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, I think <laughs> the three of us in this room struggle from the same, same thing. I'm like, yeah, I kind of got it. Yeah, that's enough. What else can I kind of get? Move on to the next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fortunately, I wasn't always that way, but I'm that way now, <laughs> like a mug. That was part of what put me into video. Was like it's the same. It's storytelling. Um, and there's still dynamics involved. There's still pacing involved, um, but it's a totally different medium. So it's like, let me see what I let me try my hand at this and see what I can do. You know, we've been here for an hour and a half on a Friday afternoon. So I want to talk real quick about the the beautiful frustration. Anytime you're getting successful or um, making progress, I should say. Yeah. Like, cause, cause you know, it's holiday times, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when, when it was my first time ever, he's like, Hey, can we do this on Friday? And I'm like, shit, no, man. I got, <laughs> I'm on DC Wednesday. Uh-huh. I'm rolling it. And I looked at my schedule and I'm thinking about my family and I'm like that though. Hold up, hold up. Mm. That's the beautiful frustration. The mm. fact that you're here and you want to come support it. Right. And you're from here. Yeah. And that. It's making that type of progress. And right. My heartstrings pull me in, mm-hmm. help you know you're doing the right thing. It's the beautiful frustration. Right. You're like, damn it. No, Friday. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'm going to go. All right. Um, I, I just want to mention that because anybody that's going places with music, mm-hmm. you're going to fall in love with the beautiful frustration. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. Learn Absolutely. to manage it. I don't know. Don't, don't ask me how to manage Good it. Good luck. Yeah. But fall in love with it. But yeah, and you've hit you've hit a certain rite of passage when you're getting ready to go to a gig that you don't want to go to, uh, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you've yeah. you've reached a certain that's that means that you've reached a certain level of success. Yeah, and it's no shade on the gig, right? It's learning to rebalance your own personal time. Yeah, it's extraordinarily valuable, right? And then, yeah, yep, it's that that's all part of that beautiful frustration. You got it. Keep doing what you're doing, buddy. It's really, Thank really you. good to see you. Thanks for you coming too. on. I appreciate you guys having me. It was yeah, an honor man. to be on this podcast. Absolutely. I remember you you putting it out there the first, like one of the first episodes, and I was like, this is really cool. Um, 
really cool thing that you guys are doing and you hit me up and said man we gotta have you on sometime so i'm glad thanks yeah. for making the time on a friday afternoon no it really oh, wasn't sorry. that big of a deal yeah no but, i appreciate but it was it, i did yeah. experience the yeah the bf <laughs> absolutely i was like god yeah. damn if it wasn't josh Melsar, i wouldn't be here that's a lie <laughs> that's a lie it could have been anybody I'm like yeah let's do it let's squeeze yeah. it up well it's, um, an, it's an honor to be here and I, I do appreciate you guys taking out your time just to talk a little bit yeah, it was, man. It was man, nice it was it's cathartic. good to see y'all yeah, yeah weirdos <laughs> beats bruising buddies ladies and gentlemen hope you're enjoying your 2024 year because this is uh that's right we're, we're in january when we're releasing this so we're recording in december happy um, new year everybody happy new year guys we'll see you next time be good <laughs>